Welcome to the Fiscal Fitness Podcast, where we help personal trainers, studio owners, and fitness enthusiasts get financially strong. We're here to show you that managing your money can be even more fun than hitting a new one rep max. And the best part, you already have the skills to do it. We're your hosts, Kelsa Dickey and Jill Emanuel. We love talking about money as much as we love hitting that new PR or talking about our favorite protein fluff. Welcome to the show. All right, guys. So this episode, we're talking all about how to become a plan maker. Remember, that is the first step in building your financial foundation. So I want to remind you guys that at Fiscal Fitness, we really believe that when it comes to your money, it is all about creating a plan that you love. So really doing the things that you love with your money, making sure that it's in alignment with your values, your goals, your priorities in life, building those habits to work that plan, and then really challenging yourself to set a goal and go after it. So we want you to think about an area in your life where having a plan actually already is helping you to feel so much better, right? We likely all plan for different areas of our life and it gives you peace of mind or clarity around what you have to do. It helps you make decisions easier and more quickly. So here's a couple of examples for you guys to think about, right? What is an area in your life that you already create a plan for? One, maybe it is creating a plan for your kids' sports schedules and events. That can be a very busy area of life. So if you don't have a schedule, you might be like scurrying around like crazy, totally out of control. Having that plan keeps you on task, lets you feel prepared. You know what you're going into every single week. It is a wonderful example of how having a plan really gives you a lot more confidence. Jill and I have a good girlfriend whose two kids are involved in about four different sports oh, each, gosh. I would say. And <laughs> and not just sports, but yeah. activities, I should say. And I mean, there's tournaments, sometimes two in a weekend. I mean, they're in different cities. You know, one parent's taking one kid, the other's taking... I mean, they have to be so organized with their kid and they do it naturally. They're just really good at it, right? So that is an area of their life they plan really well and very naturally. Yeah. Another example might be when you go on vacation. So this is, again, like the exact same friend that Kelsa's talking about I'm thinking about in this example because she plans so well with what are they going to pack? How many changes of clothes do they need? Are they coordinating outfits? I cannot make myself do this level of planning when it comes to travel, let's just be clear. But I do like to think about where are we going? How many days will we be there? Are we doing certain excursions or activities? How much money do we need to plan for those things? What amount of time do we need for travel? So there's a different level of planning that goes in for every person, but having some sort of plan when you travel is likely part of your experience of traveling. Another example could be just planning with your fitness and your training schedule. I mean, I know every day how my day is going to go. I'm going to get up, I do my metrics, I have my pre-workout meal, I get to the gym. Like it is part of the routine and having that plan really helps me to keep on track. I don't have to figure it out every single day. So it makes it so much easier to follow through and take action towards my goals because I have that clear plan. I know that my 
training schedule calls for squat day is Monday. Yeah. Right? And so I think about that on Sunday night. I think about getting good rest, resting my legs, like doing certain things because I know Monday morning is going to be a hard squat workout. Right. Yeah. It's go time, right? Mm -hmm. So you can mentally prepare for it and show up to function at your best. Right. So another thing could be your nutrition, that you're planning ahead for your meals. Maybe you're putting all of your nutrition into an app the day before so that it's really easy for you when it comes meal time. Even just meal prep or food prep for the week, that's part of my very natural routine now where I know on Saturdays or Sundays I'm doing food prep for the week and it makes everything so much easier because I've thought about it and planned for it in advance. And I think the meal prep is a really good example of how there's different levels of planning. And they're not right or wrong. It's just each person has different sort of expectations and goals. And so you can meal plan simply make a bunch of food on Sunday for the week. Right. You could meal prep on a Sunday, cook all the food, and partition it out, measure it out into individual containers, and like store all those in the fridge. And then there's you know options in between, too. Right. So there's different levels of planning for all of these things. Yes, and that one is right or one is wrong. It's what's best for you and your lifestyle, and that's how we function with money, too. At Fiscal Fitness, we're obsessed with both fitness and finances, and we believe you can be excited about both too. We've helped thousands of people just like you transform their financial lives without giving up what's most important to them. If you're sick of the status quo, if you're done being on the hamster wheel, and you are ready to see just how easy it is to take the skills you already use to plan your nutrition, training, and overall fitness, and transform those into strategies for gaining control and confidence with your money, join us at becomeaplanmaker.com. The time to get financially strong is now. So another example might be how you plan your time and your schedule. So do you time block? Do you have a set routine with your time? Does it help you to stay on track throughout the week? Some people are really, really good with their time management and it helps them to accomplish so much. And it's just one more example of how planning ahead really allows you to be successful in these different areas in life. So we want you to just reflect on this and really think about what is one way that you already are very successful at planning in your life? Because this proves to you that it is a skill you already possess. You already are accomplished at this in one way or another, and we want you to take that skill that is already there and pull on it to apply it to your financial life and your money as well. We know that you can do it. Your prior experiences have proven that you can plan ahead. So now we're just going to take that skill that you already possess and use it for planning with your money. And this is where most people, when they want to plan with their money, the thought goes to, I need a budget. I need to get on a budget. And usually the word budget just brings this feeling of like, oh, barf. You might even cringe your nose a little bit. You might be rolling your eyes right now as I say that word. Stomach is clenching. It's like barf, gross. (laughs) And I promise that we get it because the reality is that most people don't want to be on a budget. You might be thinking right now, like, I don't want a budget. I need a budget. Like, that's usually what people say, right? I really should do that. Right. (laughs) Here's what I want you to know first as we dive into this next conversation is that budgeting as most of us know it is an extremely flawed system. So if you hate it, 
I don't blame you because the way most of us were taught to do it is so screwed up. We should hate it. Yeah. It doesn't work. It is so flawed. It is not the way most of us live our life. So we should not be trying to manage our money in that way. And I'm going to give you some examples of what I mean. The normal way of budgeting, what I'm picturing and likely what you're imagining in your head too, is this idea of a monthly budget where there's a spreadsheet or a sheet of paper where they say, put your income at the top and then list all of your expenses below that. And then at the bottom, total it up and like, voila, right? Like you should have money left, yay, right? Or you should be like (laughs) negative, like an obscene amount of money every month. And I promise you, no matter what, when somebody says that they've done that exercise and I ask the question and does, do you think that's a good representation of like how you feel about money? They always say no. Mm-hmm. The answer is always like no. So if the number is like, oh, you should have all this money left, the person is often like, I mean, maybe I have a little wiggle room, but no, I don't have like $1,000 left every month, even though the spreadsheet, the monthly budget says that I should, right? Yeah. And then another person who's like negative, overspending $1,000 every month says, no, like that's not happening either. It's not like I'm adding $1,000 a month to a credit card, right? Yeah. So if it's not accurate, for most people, why are we budgeting that way? It assumes that everything happens in our lives in some sort of quick snapshot. So it assumes that we all get our income on the first day of the month. And then on the second day of the month, we're gonna pay all of these expenses. And let's say you put $400 for groceries on there. You likely don't go in one trip during the month to the grocery store and spend exactly $400, <laughs> right? So that you can update your pretty new right. monthly budget spreadsheet that not quite. you were sold as this idea would work really great to manage your money, right? It Most of us don't live our life in a monthly snapshot, so we really shouldn't be living our life that way. Most of us don't get our income on the first day of the month, so we shouldn't be managing our money that way. Most of us experience a timing factor to real life. It's money is coming in and out of our account on all different days and in all different amounts. So it's this constant ping, ping, ping. There's these random transactions everywhere. If I have $500 budgeted for groceries, I'm probably gonna spend 17 one day, 150 on Sunday when I do my big trip or whatever it is, right? Like the numbers are continuously changing and variable. They are not set in stone in a pretty snapshot like the most like the way most people budget. So what we wanna do first is really change the way you view budgeting entirely. If you've thought of budgeting before, if you've considered the idea of a monthly budget, I wanna challenge you to forget that it ever existed. Forget that you- (laughs) Yes, forget that you ever heard about it because it does not work for the majority of people. Here's how I know that. 80% of people in our world do not budget, 80% of people. But if you were to go to Google right now and type in budgeting template, right? You're gonna see probably 20 million results for budgeting templates. So there's 20 million solutions out there and yet 80% of people can't do it. So Hmm. are 80% of the world like just bad with money or is the system that we've been given 20 million versions of it, right? Is the system flawed? It's a really screwed up system. Yeah. It really is. Very few people can budget that way because it doesn't represent how any of us live our life. 
What we like to do at Fiscal Fitness is separate your expenses first and foremost into three categories. The categories have to do not with the category of life, like housing or transportation or discretionary type expenses, but they really have to do with the timing of how they affect you. How do they land? How do they hit you? That, I promise you, is the most important thing when it comes to gaining control of your money and becoming a plan maker, is getting control of the timing of how expenses are incurred. The first category are all of your fixed and recurring expenses. This is the easiest category of the three, so let's start here. These happen every single month. They tend to be the same dollar amount, or if they fluctuate, they're not gonna fluctuate a lot or you know about it. So like my cell phone bill might fluctuate a little bit here and there, or my electric bill living in Phoenix goes up in the summer when we're running our AC 24 seven, but I know about it, right? These expenses tend to have a due date attached to them. So think about like your electric bill, your cell phone bill, car payment, mortgage or rent, anything you pay monthly and it's recurring and really consistent as far as the dollar amount goes. So even things like subscriptions, Netflix, Spotify, you know, iTunes, any sort of thing like that that is recurring, that is your fixed and recurring expense. Make a list of all of these items and organize it by due date, okay? We really want you to get organized by the timing of when these things happen. This category tends to be the least stressful of the three because these expenses happen every single month. You know the bill is coming. If there is stress associated with this category, typically what we see is that the stress is more around, am I going to have the money to pay the bill? But you know the bill is coming, right? right? So it's not the actual expense that's stressful, okay? Also, when people think about, oh, my monthly expenses are X, they're typically thinking of this category and totaling these up, even kind of a rough estimate in your head. But keep in mind, this is just one of three. We have two other very big categories to talk about. And so if you're thinking that your monthly expenses are just the total of your fixed and recurring bills, we're missing out on a huge part of your expenses. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that can also cause a lot of confusion, chaos, and that sort of thing. The second category are all of your day-to-day spending items. Think of things that happen maybe every month, but there's no due date attached to them. And these are oftentimes things like groceries, eating out, maybe you buy dog food from like a certain store every single month, Um, allowance for the kids, right? Or lunches Mm -hmm. for the kids. Uh, What else can you think of, Jill, in the day-to-day expenses? Yeah, like some people get their nails done or their hair Mm -hmm. done every single month. They have dry cleaning that happens regularly. Um, You know, just running into the gas station, buying snacks or going to the vending machine, like those little things that just little nickel and dime sort of transactions that you don't really pay much attention to until the end of the month. And then you look and go like, what? We spent what? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes, perfect examples. And this is where... You know, everyone's different on what expenses they have or don't have. Um, But typically, like Jill said, this is the nickel and diming category. We also call this debit card syndrome sometimes. So if I were to look at your checking account and in the last, let's say, five days, there's 27 transactions, chances are a lot of them are your day-to-day spending items. A lot of people do also put these things on a credit card, which is okay, but oftentimes what we see in this category, whether it's debit card or credit card, there tends to be sort of this gasp around, 
I spent what? Yeah. Wait, you know, and so most people don't know what they're spending on this category of things. So, you know, whether you're spending a hundred on groceries or a thousand on groceries, people kind of have sort of a, a number in their mind, but we don't actually know if it's accurate. Right. Right. We're kind mm-hmm. of guessing. And sometimes what we'll do is we'll look to see, well, what do you think you've spent? We'll list out those transactions and then we actually total them up. And because this is nickel and diming, like $7 here, 40 there, it ends up adding up really quickly. And it's usually two or three times what the person thought they had spent. Yeah. Right? So we see that all the time. And this is like one big area, I feel like, where especially when there's, you know, couples or a partnership and there's one person that manages most of the bills and is looking at the bank account regularly and the other one doesn't. And they have a good sense of what those fixed bills are that Kelsa was saying, because most people know like, yes, I know what my rent or my mortgage is and my car payment. This is where a lot of conflict happens, though, Mm -hmm. because the person that's not managing the bills will say, well, where did all of our money go? Because they don't see all of these little transactions Mm -hmm. and how much they're adding up. And they have very little awareness around we spend $2,000 a month on groceries? Are you kidding me? Like, it can be a huge shocker to them. Yeah, and I think this is the category where you tend to have conversations around, like, who put what on the debit card? Oh, Wait, yeah. what did you buy at Target yesterday for $125, right? right. Or Walmart or wherever. Um, this is also the category Jill told her story with Matt earlier and how this is the category where sometimes couples are like, hey, if you're going to go get gas, only put 20 bucks in because I don't want you to overdraft the right. account. Or, you know, it goes on a credit card right. because we're just worried about what we have in the checking account. Yeah. I remember always feeling mad every single time that I saw a transaction that I didn't know was coming. And it, that was so unfair. Like, you know, I knew that it was unfair to feel mad or upset with my husband for putting gas in the car. But also it was always a surprise to me because I didn't know how much to expect or what was happening. And he didn't know what was happening in the bank account because he wasn't paying attention. So it was like constantly this source of stress and panic and friction in the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the category where we see a lot of guilt. Yes. That's where the stress comes from in this category. I promise that, you know, nine out of 10 clients will say, oh, I know I probably spend too much or I know this. But now keep in mind, I want to call out what I just said. Right. Because earlier I said most people don't know what they're spending in this category of life. Right. Yeah. And yet what they have also said out loud the majority of the time is, oh, I know I'm not doing good enough or I know I could be doing better or I'm spending too much. Those two things are very much out of alignment. You either don't know what you're spending or you do know and you're spending too much, but it can't be both, right? right? All that is is like guilt. It's mm-hmm. shame and it's not actually accurate or real. Right. You know, because if you don't know what you're spending, you don't you could be spending a perfect amount. Right. Like for a family of your size, the goals that you have for nutrition, like your grocery amount could be perfect. Right. Right. Or you could be spending a great amount on groceries, let's say maybe more than an average family but way less on eating out. And so it doesn't really matter, right? right. You, you could be doing just fine, but you've convinced yourself in this category of life that you're probably overspending and need to be doing better. Yeah. And that comes from a place of guilt. Right. Right? Mm. So for this category of life, what we love to recommend for a lot of our clients 
and you can try this yourself, is having a separate spending account. So on payday, you determine how much you need for these things, and it's a little bit of guess at first, right? That's okay. Um, and you transfer it to a separate checking account. That money is there to be spent during that pay period. So let's say you get paid every two weeks. If you're a business owner listening to this, hang tight. I know you maybe don't take regular paychecks, uh, but we want to encourage that. So <laughs> hang tight. Just assume that you are taking a steady paycheck from your business and you transfer a set amount to a spending account. From there, you use your debit card. You can nickel and dime it all day long. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about this is as long as that money is there until the next payday when you replenish that account, you know you're not doing anything wrong. And you do not need to track everything that is coming in and out of this account. We do not believe in tracking every single penny unless we have a very specific goal and we're in a time crunch and you want to do that, you can. But for the most part, you just transfer the money to spending. This is how much we get. You can always look at the balance to see, oh, we've got three days till payday and we're doing really good. Let's go get some steaks tonight, right? right? Or, hey, we did steaks last weekend and so we got three days left till payday. Let's just be a little careful, right? right? But it's not a big deal, okay? So it's a way of gaining control over this area of your life. The third and final category of expenses. So if you remember, we talked about fixed and recurring. That was the first category. The second is your day-to-day -day spending. The third is your non-recurring and random expenses. We call this your whammies. This is usually the most stressful of the three categories. It's also the total of these expenses tends to be the biggest and largest category of your expenses. Uh, so these tend to be things that don't happen every single month, but when they happen, they happen big. Think about vacations or a car repair or a big home repair, um, gifts, even clothing, right? Most people, let's say you have $200 budgeted for clothing per month. Most people don't go every single month and spend exactly $200. You might go six months and then decide, hey, maybe you've lost some weight or your body physique has changed. And so you're thinking, I got to go buy some new clothes and you go drop a pretty penny, but it's every six months, right? Even vacations, I know we call this category whammies and it's not because the expense itself is a negative thing. It's not a whammy as the expense, it's a financial whammy. So think about taking vacations is awesome, right? right. Like we want to spend our money on that, but if we're not prepared for it, if we don't have a plan in place for those vacations, then we take a vacation, maybe it goes on a credit card, or maybe we pull out a savings, or that month is really stressful because of that. Maybe we do mm -hmm. pay for it, but we think, God, I can't spend any money on anything else right. because I took a vacation this month. It feels financially stressful, and that's why that category, you know, or that expense goes into this category. So. This is usually the most stressful. It is also what tends to cause most credit card debt. Yep. Um, if you are the type of person that wants to get out of debt, and so you take everything out of your checking account today to pay down your credit card, and then tomorrow your car breaks down, how are you gonna pay for that car repair bill? Because you just took everything out of your checking account to pay off the credit card. So bum, that bum, bum. car repair <laughs> now goes back on the credit card right. that you just tried to pay down, and it creates this very vicious cycle around money. And that causes just so much stress, right? right? These are also the category of expenses where we tend to worry the most. Yes. I'm doing okay, but. What if? What if that happens? 
what if my car breaks down? What if we have a plumbing repair that we need to pay for and that kind of thing? So typically what we recommend for this um, category of expenses, keep in mind these are just a couple of suggestions. We have strategies for all of these, right? And lots of different strategies you can use. We're just gonna share with you some of the, our clients' favorite strategies, right? This is by far one of our clients' most favorite strategies of all. It's one of my favorite. It's this idea of a modern cash envelope system or a bucket system for your savings. So take some time to think about what are your categories of expenses, what are the things that pop up randomly each year, and come up with a monthly average for each one. And it's okay to just guess at first, right? We've got tons of tools that we can give you that can help you get organized. It is okay to sort of just start by guessing too. Um, and you create a separate savings account for each one. So I do want you to have a vacation fund and a car fund and a home fund and a gift fund. And I know for some people they hear this and they think, that's a lot of savings accounts, right? But remember, we're building new habits, we're learning new skills, there's gonna be some growing pains at first, but I promise this is one of those strategies that every client loves it and mm -hmm. cannot, they wonder how did I do it any other way, right? Yes. Every month you put a set amount into each one of those buckets and when a car repair happens, you simply take the money out of your car repair fund, pay for the expense and it's like it never even happened. Right. So the nice thing about this is it really does create some clarity around your money. So if I want to go clothing shopping, I simply look at my clothing fund and I say, hey, I've got 500 bucks in there. I can go spend $500 and I don't have to feel guilty about that. I don't have to wonder what happens if I spend $500 today on clothing. What happens if tomorrow my car breaks down and it's another $500? Well, guess what? That's my car repair fund. Totally different fund. It doesn't matter. So yeah. I think about how on a Friday I can go spend $500 on clothes, take it out of my clothing fund. On Saturday, my car can break down and I can spend $500 and take it out of my car repair fund. And on Sunday, I can book plane tickets to go see my coach, right? And go do some training with her maybe. And book the plane tickets, take it out of my travel fund. And none of those things affect the other one. Right. right, where most people, if all three of those things were to happen in one month, it would be a very stressful month right. financially, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and you don't have to worry about your checking account overdrafting either, right? So like you talking about all these different transactions coming out, what happens for most people is it's getting drawn out of their checking account and then they're like down to the last penny, like trying to eke it out and like stressing over those last few days until payday comes, or am I gonna be okay? Yes, exactly. Yes. So the idea of breaking it up into these three categories, every expense in life goes into one of these buckets, into one of these three categories, right? And it has to do with how that expense hits you, the timing of how that expense hits you, and we are controlling the timing of it. Jill's number for her vacation fund might be very different from mine. A client might have a savings account that I don't even have because I don't have that category of life in expenses. But the idea is that we're controlling the timing of how these expenses happen and we're really evening it all out. So we're removing the roller coaster ride financially. Yeah. And I think one thing that I think about is, you know, when we start introducing some of these practices or strategies for a client, like Kelsa was saying, with the different savings accounts and people think, whoa, that's a lot, right? Like that's a lot of stuff to manage. I have to oversee all of those different accounts. Or they think, 
oh, I'm putting money into a spending account and that can feel maybe restrictive. I only have X amount of money to last me for two weeks. And I really see it the exact opposite way. So it truly is about the perspective of how you're looking at it. I mean, I think about this with my macros and my nutrition, right? Some people might look at that and say, that seems like a lot of work. That seems really restrictive. You have to stick to whatever for every meal. But I know that as long as I follow that plan, I'm right on track. I can eat whatever I want within those macros. I can eat a chocolate peanut butter cup if I want to and popcorn, it's totally fine. I'm planning it into my macros of what's allotted to me and I know I can do with it whatever I want, however I want, that's right for me and my life. And as long as I stick to those sort of parameters around it, I don't have to worry about falling off track. I know I'm still on track for attaining all my goals. And the same is true with managing your money in this way that we see clients over and over again feel so much more freedom in their life because they have this plan, because they've put some structure around their money. It begins to feel predictable. So yeah, in the beginning, is it hard? Yeah, yeah. it yeah. is. It is hard. We're not going to lie. Like It takes some work. It's a whole new habit, a whole new way of looking at things. It can feel like a little bit of a stretch in those yeah. first few months of getting into the groove with it. But over time, it starts to feel so natural. And the first time your car breaks down and you can pull the money out of savings and be like, oh my God, I had the money for that. Mm -hmm. That did not have to, that didn't stress me out. I didn't have to put it on a credit card. All of a sudden the light bulb switches and it's like, this is the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think too that what ends up, it feels restrictive at first sometimes. Not, some not clients always. love it instantly. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but every time what ends up eventually happening is this idea of like i have permission i yes. actually have permission to spend this money right and i know the impact i don't have to question of right. like is this gonna mean that i can't spend more on that vacation later in the year or right. i mean we just know how it's all connected and so it actually gives you permission to spend and enjoy spending it right, right? like i think about taking spending money on vacation I know I can buy souvenirs, I can buy a cute dress, like whatever I want because this is the money that I have to spend while I'm on vacation, right? right? And it just feels so nice. If you've ever, you know, treated yourself to some new workout clothes, let's say, right? And then a week later something happens, completely unrelated, let's say your car breaks down, right? And you look back a week and think, now I regret, right. I have buyer's remorse over something I did a week ago, right? The savings buckets and some of these strategies really help to make it so that one thing does not affect another, right? And it's not affecting you emotionally. Right. Right? And that's why it's so important. Yes. The guilt, the self-doubt, the questioning, the buyer's remorse, it all sort of vanishes yeah. once you get these systems set up. It's really like that mental gymnastics that we're yeah. always doing that... We want to remove that, right? Like, I think there are so many more important things to be thinking about mm. every day, in every moment of every day, more so than, oh God, how am I going to afford that if it happens? Or should I return some of those clothes I bought two days ago, right? Yeah. Like, the idea is like, hey, I just look, here's the number, I spend it, move right on. Right. right? And it just makes it so we're not doing all of that mental energy all the time. Yes. Yeah. So let's recap just a little bit. Okay. So planning ahead 
as Kelsa went over in great detail with you guys, right? It is not necessarily about the category of expenses, but it is about the timing of expenses. And that's really what we want to drive home is that you want to adopt a strategy that includes the timing of how expenses hit you in life. So we have strategies to handle that and handle all three of those different areas of expenses, as Kelsa explained, the fixed and recurring expenses, the day-to-day little nickel and dime expenses, and then the random or variable whammies that we call them. So we want that plan to be in place so that managing your cash flow is so much easier to see, easier to understand. And we really want it to be something that is customizable to you and to your lifestyle. So it doesn't have to be that everyone has exactly the same thing. We all have exactly the same savings categories with exactly the same dollar amounts going to them. Like that just doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't. We all need something that is customized, unique to us, unique to our lifestyle. What is appropriate for me and my family of four may not be the same thing that is appropriate for Kelsa and her family of four. Yes, we both have four people in our family, but we don't do exactly the same things, right? We have different values, different priorities, different interests, and your plan should reflect that. So, and some people wanna track things much more closely, others wanna have more flexibility, and there are ways to do that, to be in alignment with what you want to see and what you wanna have control over. Yeah, I'll give a quick example, if you don't mind, Jill. With the savings accounts, some clients like to be really compartmentalized, right? Like they're gonna have a car repair fund and a car registration fund when their annual bill comes. Mm-hmm. I personally just have a car fund, like yeah. car maintenance, tires, repairs, my registration once a year. I don't really care what it's for. Yeah. As long as it's car related, right. it like goes in the car fund, yeah. right? Um, same with like house. I have a house fund. Repairs, decor, doesn't really matter. But some clients want to have like a home repairs. Mm-hmm. Some want to have home renovation, home decor. Like they really get specific because it helps them manage their desires and it helps them mm-hmm. manage those whammies, right? Of like, hey, yes, we want to have that done, but we don't have enough in that particular fund yet. Let's save for two more months and then we'll have enough. Yes, right? exactly. Such a great example. So the beautiful thing is that it can be tweaked, refined, created to be perfect for what you need. And we really do have all of those tools to help you to effectively plan for that. That's something that we help our clients with in our private one-on-one coaching, where we really talk to them about their desires and their lifestyle and what's important to them and help them really refine what are those perfect accounts that they need? How much every month should they be putting towards them? How do we plan ahead for all those different areas? Or this is also something that you can access these tools inside of our Plan Makers Academy, which is our self-guided online course that also has video tutorials and all of the tools you need to walk you through this so that you can make these choices for yourself. Yeah, another thought you may be having is that it's this idea of like, I can't plan for everything. There's no way to plan for my expenses. My life is too variable, so that's not realistic. <laughs> I've never heard that from a client. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, you know, I, we both have families of four. We have businesses. I promise you that you can plan for most of what is going to happen to you financially. And maybe you're right. Maybe you cannot predict every single expense you are going to have in advance or everything that is going to happen to you financially in life. But imagine how great it would feel 
to have a plan for 75% of what is going to happen to you. If you had a plan for 75% of everything that happened to you, the other 25% becomes so much easier to figure out and just navigate real time. It's when everything is not predictable. It's when we don't have a plan for anything and we are reacting to 100% that it becomes so overwhelming, really stressful. And so the goal is not that we plan every penny and 100% of everything. We're trying to strike a better balance though, where we're planning mm-hmm. for 75%. So when the other 25% happens, that requires a little bit of energy, but it's not everything requiring energy. So imagine how much more consistent, predictable, and easy life would feel if you could more clearly plan ahead for all of those things. And again, like Jill was saying with some of those examples earlier, draw on another area of your life where having a plan helps you to navigate the things that aren't planned. It's not that the plan that you have for those things is perfect. Mm -hmm. It's that it helps reduce the uncertainty and it makes it so that when a whammy happens, you can totally navigate it, right? That's what we're trying to do with your money as well. Plus, even if it is hard, you can do hard things and it's worth it because it sets you up to be able to set goals with your money. And with the plan for your money already created as a plan maker, then when you identify a new goal for yourself or for your life or for your money, you're able to tweak and adjust the plan that you already have to achieve the goal. It's just little finesses. It's just little tweaks and adjustments. It's not like I got to create a whole new plan now that I have a new goal, right? It is such a beautiful thing and it is worth you putting in the hard work to become an amazing plan maker. Next episode, we'll dive into strategies for becoming the best damn goal maker ever. Woo! We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, remember to hit follow, leave a review, and share us with your favorite gym buddy. For more money strategies and to follow Maya and Kelsa's own fitness journeys, follow us on Instagram. Search Jill underscore fiscal and fit and Kelsa underscore fiscal and fit. And if you're ready to gain control and confidence with your money, join us at becomeaplanmaker.com. See you.